0: Support for this podcast is provided by Attrax. Attrax is the total career site system, which converts site visitors into high-quality job applicants. A fully SaaS system, Attrax is powered by the latest AI to deliver an outstanding and relevant talent experience, personalised employer branding, and a strong conversion of candidates into the ATS. To find out more, go to www.attrax.co.uk, that's www.attrax.co.uk, and Attrax is spelled A T
1: There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine, than in all the ages of history.
0: Hi, everyone. This is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 286 of the Recruiting Future podcast. The events of 2020 are accelerating recruiting automation at a pace none of us could have previously predicted. One of the problems with the current approaches to automation in talent acquisition is that things tend to very much be vendor-led. And finding a vendor who is fully aligned to all of your needs can be a challenge. In episode 283, I discussed the importance of building a strategy for automation and having a helicopter view of all the elements. However, it's only possible for TA leaders to take that helicopter view if they have an understanding of the critical building blocks of automation. My guest this week is Lee Pullen, co-founder and CEO at SciGen, a robotic process automation services company based in Melbourne, Australia. Robotic process automation, or RPA, as it's better known, is something everyone in talent acquisition needs to understand. And I know you're going to find this interview really valuable. Hi, Lee, and welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, Matt. How are you? Uh, And thank you for having us on, or having me on.
0: I'm great, thank you, and an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Could you just introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do?
1: I'm Lee Pullen. I'm uh, the co-founder and CEO of a RPA services company called Sygen in Melbourne, Australia. So we run services to help companies put RPA and the other technologies that go with it, uh, into service at uh, all various types of companies. So it keeps us very busy these days.
0: It's interesting because in the recruitment and HR sector that I work in, we, we've only really just started to talk about RPA. And I don't think that many people actually understand even what it stands for, what it is and, and what it does, even though they, they may be using it in, in, in some way already. Talk us through RPA. What is that?
1: So RPA, the acronym stands for Robotic Process Automation. Um, they're not physical robots, they're software robots. They uh, So there's no uh, cyborgs walking around or anything like that. Um, it it is software that emulates what a person does at their computer, but on a much faster, bigger scale, uh, and a much more accurate scale. So it can act like a person does uh, going into something like Excel or CRM or a uh, hr application uh, erp application taking information it's directed to take information from different areas and move and, and take that information and maybe put it somewhere else it can be it can do calculations it's a um, very handy tool across every industry across every business and has favored to date it started mainly in the finance office, if you like, uh, you know, accounts payable in that area. But HR is very big, um, also in in robotic process automation.
0: Tell us a little bit about the history. How, how long has it been around in the in the current form, and how did it develop?
1: Well, I'll probably go backwards a little bit. Its history started off as desktop automation. So, if you go back. Probably 10 years ago, there were small programs on desktop that could emulate and pick up little bits of data if you taught it what to do and move things around on your desktop. But it couldn't move off your desktop at that particular stage and it had limited functionality. About, oh, I'll call it six, seven years ago, it started to build into robots that sat on servers and sat on in, in what we'd call the back office and were controlled by some sort of orchestration uh, piece of technology let's just call that the control tower of the robots and you began to create robotic workflows to instruct the robots what to do across different platforms across an organization but they sat on servers and then as it progressed it became more and more a combination of Back office robots that worked 24/7 in the back in, on servers, and front office robots that effectively were, uh, a person had to push go. So think a contact center when you don't know something has to start, and um, they push a button for a robot to do something, which is a little bit more like desktop automation. These days, it is joined by everything from you get into machine learning, natural language processing, AI, all of those sort of things amalgamate together to be part of what we call the AI tree here at Cygen, but um, it's a combination of different platforms that all work together to build an outcome, which we can go into in a little bit of detail.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That would be a really good thing to do now. I mean, could you sort of give us some examples of of how it's used or or just kind of walk it through a little bit for us?
1: Sure. So as an example, uh, a common usage is to, uh, companies will receive invoices from suppliers. They often go into a um, email account to a contr- uh, accounts payable email. The robots can pick up, read those emails, extract the invoice document, uh, and read. Re- often they're in PDF form. Read the contents on that PDF because robots uh, have the ability to read OCR or read the text behind it, depending on which way you do it. Uh, extract that information and then use that information to update that detail one by one. In an ERP system, so it would log on to the accounts payable, it could update that big piece of information, uh, take the invoice number, the invoice date, the company it's from, the total amount, any taxes due, or line by line item and check it against purchase orders and all of that sort of thing. That's one use. Uh, Another use is extracting data out of Salesforce, for example, as a CRM, and moving that into another application, such as, uh, again, an ERP system, because some sales have arisen from the uh, Salesforce system. And then you would see something in HR. You will see, and we've certainly done this type of work where uh, companies have a lot of onboarding and offboarding of personnel. So the robots will come in, take extract all of the information out of the documentation for that new employee. It would uh, set that up in the account, in the HR systems, the payroll systems, go and can go further and switch on all of the IT access for that person, given whatever that t- type of job is. And you see the reverse when someone's leaving the company, when we make what we call offboarding. So there's, we've had we we've done pay runs with robotics um, uh, from an HR point of view. So the types of tasks, as long as the tasks are structured, in other words, the process is structured. It's not an unstructured process. As long as the process is structured, it has data that is either digital or the robot can turn into digital data, it can do something with it.
0: That's really interesting stuff. And it, it kind of it brings on to my next question, actually, which I was going to ask about the, almost what the limits of, of possibility are around this. What could this do that humans currently do? And, and what could it not do, if that makes sense? I mean, I suppose, particularly in the context of AI and machine learning and, and some of the other technologies that are, that are developing at the moment.
1: Sure. Well, it, it can do a lot of office tasks that people do that are fairly standard. As as I was saying before, as long as the process is relatively structured, it can go ahead and do those type of tasks. Uh, An example would be, we've had a a company that's a facilities company. They buy lots of food for all of these different mines and aged care um, around Australia. They get rebates from They get rebates from um, the food companies depending on what they are per quarter. Uh, It would take them over a year, more than eight man months to work out what those rebates were. The robot does that in two hours and finds more money as an example of going to the extreme of what robots can do. Robots are excellent at standard tasks. They In standard RPA form, what what I mean, robotic process without AI, without machine learning, without natural language, um, it it can do about forty to sixty percent of the standard tasks that are in in a company. A robot. As smart as and intelligent as they are, they are also obviously somewhat dumb. If you haven't told a robot to go left or right at a T-intersection, it will stop unless you, uh, in CYGEN, we, we would have a, an overlay that would always allow the robot to exit gracefully. Um, so there is a limitation on what it, what it can do. It can't make up its own mind. But as you start to add machine learning which is when you get into machine learning, it's a recognition, we'd call it a recognition system, a high-level recognition system. It might have seen that type of error before and it knows how to handle it, so it keeps that online. Uh, Natural language, you can start reading the body of an email. Uh, Natural language gets into not just language, but syntax, uh, and is trying to defer meaning um, so that it can take it further. And an AI is largely... Uh, complex or very fast algorithms to do things with. So typically robots, RPA, would create or clean data for an uh, uh, AI program to work or take the output from an AI program and do something with it. So if you would think of RPA as the practic- practical doer of the group, the rest of them are recognition programs and high-level instructions of, uh, and calcul- calculators, if you like.
0: How does this get positioned in the market? And and what I mean by that is I've I've spoken to a couple of software vendors in the in, in the recruiting space who sell software solutions to to employers and both of them using RPA in the background with some of the integrations and, and things that they were doing is this something that that people would buy baked already baked into another bit of software or is it something that a company would buy as a standalone thing to sort of tie together their own processes or, or, or separate bits of software that they have
1: well they're both they're both available so there is quite a few Application provide uh, you know software makers that um, are building uh, some type of RPA in into their product these days, but they are generally limited around where they can go. Um, whereas if you go to the broader, the main RPA engines, and we're here we're talking UiPath automation anywhere, Blue Prism, uh, and and tools of those sort of nature, they have a much broader appeal uh, and are not limited by not being able to read different types of software programs. I mean, for, uh, at SciGen we use UiPath and UiPath only. We, to date, over five years, have not found an application we could not automate. And then we're going everywhere from your most modern application, web applications, to green screen applications. And that's the, the that's the beauty of the broad tools they can get across everything and so there are cases for in smaller organized in smaller software organizations like some of the accounting online that can do a little bit of robotics but it's nowhere near as broad as the type of things that we would get involved
0: in. Final question. So obviously, this has um, developed a lot in the last few years, and it sounds like it sounds like its abilities are kind of evolving all the time. What does the future look like? What What's going to be possible in 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 three or four years' time with this type of technology?
1: Well, you're going to see you're going to see machine learning. You're going to see natural language. And AI merge more, uh, and robotics merge in with those and utilize those technologies far more than we are today. Um, you know, four years ago it was purely RPA. Two years ago we were starting to play with machine learning. Today we use machine learning. Machine learning, for example, in uh, if you take an invoice, it, be- it it begins to recognize the placement of where where sections are on an invoice. It, it begins to recognize words. For example, in an invoice, um, the, the, the word invoice, the word inv, you'll you get an inv number, invoice number, bill number, contract. They all mean the same thing. But rather than have to program it four different ways, Machine learning recognizes each one of those can be the same as long as I, I train it in either a supervised or an unsupervised way, meaning it's got to build up a body of knowledge um, and, and recognize it. Um, so as we use more of these tools, when I said earlier that RPA by itself can do 40 to 60% of standard processes, we're now starting to get into 60, 80, and maybe even 90% of standard processes. Uh, that can be utilised with the other tools that add on. So it becomes a much richer format and uh, much richer capability, which then really leaves people. Um, and, and the reasons you put RPA in is that you're looking for process cost reduction, of course. You're looking for quality improvements. You, and a big one is fl- headcount flexibility. Um, to release headcount from the mundane areas so that I can use it for something else in the business, which is largely what's been done today. Uh, You're looking for revenue leakage. How can robotics and the other tools um, find revenue that's leaking out of the company uh, because you're not tracking something properly? Um, uh, And and by the same time, you have cost leakage. Um, And how do you reduce the stress in employees? Uh, And we've had that a lot. Um, where the employees have had stress levels drop because the mundaneness and the the pressure of getting things done on a day have have reduced. So as you build in the more tools, that becomes more apparent. Of course, the next thing that has to happen with all of that is people in the business, they either get relieved to do what they were hired for uh, or they've also got to go on a learning path too and start learning about these tools or other tools because they're gonna to need to understand some of this going forward in their working life, because um, it will make a difference uh, over time. To date, while we haven't seen the mass redundancies that everyone talked about a few years ago, um, we've seen um, a great amount of flexibility come into some companies that have used the head headcount flexibility to either expand a company without expanding headcount, or, you know, obviously there has been some reductions uh, at some companies. Um, as we get further and further with the other tools, companies have a much more have a much greater flex point that they that they can use people for. And we're seeing a little bit like of this right now in in the COVID situation uh, here in Australia, and it's happening around the world. Is uh, these tools are being used a little bit more to create some flexibility and to take over where people haven't been able to be at work. Lee,
0: thank you very much for talking to me.
1: And great to, great to talk to you.
0: My thanks to Lee Pullen. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow us on Instagram. You can find the show by searching for Recruiting Future. You can search through all the past episodes at www.recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to the mailing list to get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the podcast. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time, and I hope you'll join me. This is my show. We'll see you next time. next time.